You guys asked and we're delivering. We're doing part two of the masculinity debate on Vice. Let's get into it. So we're back with Vice Debates on the subject of masculinity, where we have nine men brought together to discuss the ins and outs of what it means to be a man, particularly in America. We got halfway through this on our last live show, so now we're going to watch the other half, see what these nine men have to say. We left off on the subject matter of men and their emotions and how they express them or choose not to express them. So let's go. Masculinity box, if you will. I think that vulnerability um, for men, oftentimes, of you to surrender. And, like, that is a, um, you know what I mean? That's an example of weakness in which, like, someone can possibly take advantage of it. Or it used to be viewed as such, you know, where it's like, all right, cool, like, he cried, oh, that means he's soft, so now I can challenge him. And, and this is something that I really struggle with. Um, as a black man that grew up in the hood, you couldn't be soft. I would imagine that that's 100% true, that your environment can dictate a lot of the way that, a lot of the ways that you act and how you respond to people and what vulnerability you're willing to show. And if you're growing up in a particularly dangerous environment where there's forms of masculinity and men that can be very violent, abrasive, uh, overly assertive, and <clears throat> maybe vulnerability would look like a major weakness to you. And that would be something that you would keep to yourself. And I imagine that happens to a lot of men uh, and probably more so men than women. But I think it happens to everybody. We all go through phases in our lives where we don't feel comfortable sharing the things that are truly making us feel vulnerable or truly making us feel visceral emotions. So we just bottle it up and we move on. And I imagine for men, that pressure is a little bit higher, if, if not a lot higher. You, you couldn't come outside, you know what I'm saying? So you, you had to take on this, this persona in order to be a quote unquote man. As I got older, I realized I, st I still had to do that with women. I had to be a certain way for them to look at me as a man. And if I didn't perform in that manner, they also called me a bitch. Yeah, they want a real, like, Right? Poster. So it's like, yeah. as progressive as I may want to be, is the world accepting of that on a, as a whole? Interesting question. So before we get to that question, it, it really does become about the women that you go after as well. There are going to be women who have a very strict view of what masculinity looks like for them. And if you fall outside of that view, they get the ick, they're done with you, whatever. There's also going to be women who are totally open to men expressing themselves in different ways. So if you're running into the first type of woman and that's not something that you want, maybe wait until you run into the second type of woman. It can be hard if you grow up in an environment where there's a lot of... of uh, women who are acting that way towards you, but I would just say hold off and wait for the woman who who doesn't do that. And he says, you know, as progressive as I want to be, is society ready for that type of progress or for me to be that way? And to that I say, that's exactly what progress means. Progress means doing something that the society is not ready for. Being progressive means moving forward and forging ahead in your view of, of who you want to be and who you are without society accepting it. So the framing of the question is is really wrong because uh, if, if you're doing something that the society doesn't accept, you are bringing about progress. Because even if the guy, even if the Actually, not always. It's not always uh, progress to, to bring about something that society doesn't want, but that is the, the foundation of progressivism, 
I should say. Other men don't like it, but the women like it. I might be like, I don't care what the guys think, as long as the women like it. But there are spaces where the women will be like, look at him, he wants a finger in his butt, sorry. No, let's, <laughs> no, let's talk about fingers in like the butt. He, you know what I'm saying? Like he, do we need to talk about that? type of guy. He's not my type of guy, and I can't be open with sex or accepting having gay friends, pardon, you know. That's sorry. what you like? But I can't, right. Right, you can't be open about certain things because then you become questionable and you're pushed out of the safe space. You know, sex is a difficult thing for, for men to talk about even with, with each other, especially really? if you do have some kind of kink. <laughs> the Asian guy was like, I don't relate. <laughs> I feel like uh, guys talk about that a lot. Again, it's, it's hard to have these very general conversations when you're gonna meet men and women who don't fall within these generalizations whatsoever all the time. There are plenty of men and men that I know and have met that talk about sex very openly and very crudely. You don't get the phrase locker room talk for no reason. It's because men tend to have those conversations where uh, women don't. So I don't know if I'm convinced that uh, men don't have conversations about that and very open conversations about it. It might just be the men that you've met. Because you're not allowed to be vulnerable. You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to fail. And a lot of people that, when you say the suicide waste, you give up because you have nowhere to turn. I kind of disagree with you on the, on the fact about that pressure is causing. I think it's more the lack of support and guidance for a lot of guys. Like, they don't know where to turn. Like, they, like a lot of guys, you know, suicide, I think, is like when you lose hope, right? So they just don't have hope. What, is, what about not wanting to go get it? Because there's, there's places to be, there's people to go. You can go to church. I mean, you can go to therapy. As there's much places as you to say go. That, but I don't feel like, you know, when, when you say guys don't want to express weakness, I think taking that step is, a, is hard for a lot of men. Because then that expresses weakness. So he kind of contradicted himself a little bit there because he said, I don't think pressure is an issue. But then he said, if men go to therapy or try to go to church or seek out some sort of help, that expresses weakness, which means men feel pressure to not express weakness. It's hard for a lot of guys. You know what's interesting that what I'm hearing is that. You also are victimized by the sexist expectations of masculinity. It also makes it um, hard for men to uh, love themselves um, and, and love themselves enough to understand that they're in trouble. You know, and um, I, I know that's something that that happened in my life. It was b before I did finally go <clears throat> to therapy and get the demons out that I needed to get out. Um, mm. it, it took me meeting uh, a woman who actually made me want to love myself. You found a woman who gave you peace and, and changed you a lot. Well, great, if, if a man is dating a woman and she doesn't like that he's not masculine enough, it's kind of like, to me, I feel like too bad for him, he should go find someone else. That's part of the dating scene. Everyone has things that they like and things that they don't like. I feel like your preference is your preference, but at like some point I think it's like noteworthy and responsible to like understand where those preferences or, or like originate. Not necessarily. I think our life experiences uh, form what we really want in our dating life. And because I grew up in a broken home and I didn't have a man in the house, I want a man who gives me security and protection. There's just a lot of contradictions circulating now that we're in the second half of this conversation. All that Griffin said was, yeah, you can have your preferences. You should probably think about where those preferences come from. 
And then Christian said, not necessarily, but here's exactly where my preference comes from. So you clearly are thinking about these things. Yeah, I think maybe to Christian's credit, he was saying that my preferences are grounded in my individual experience, whereas uh-huh. Griffin's was kind of suggesting that. It, it was prejudice? Your, yeah, your expectations. No, I think Griffin was pointing to your, those expectations come from society or we should we should be very conscious of like the, you know, the way that society shapes our expectations in dating and like how that can be toxic, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So that was lost on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see if they go deeper into that. I don't think me deconstructing masculine is going to do that for me. I was missing that in my childhood and that's what I want in a man. I tend to diverge from like the Freudian daddy issues stuff when it comes to like what Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I want a man who gives me security. Thank you. I I don't like Freud. If I'm... See, what's the point in that in that insult? It, what he's done is he's reduced Christian's experience because Christian's experience did not fit his worldview and said, well, you just have Freudian daddy issues. When we all know as a, a generation and as a society that the lack of a father or the lack of a mother is going to impact you negatively moving forward in your life for most people, by and large. So... Christian expresses that and says, I didn't grow up with a man in the household. Now I want a man who who fulfills that net need for me. And he goes, I don't really get down with your your Freudian way of looking at the world to really condescend to him and look down on what is his personal experience and how it affects him. And it's not something that he goes through alone. It's something that a lot of men go through. And it's so interesting that we're sitting here with nine men who are talking about how men should be able to be open about their experiences, talk about the way things have negatively impacted him. But when you hear from a man who doesn't share your worldview and he goes, I didn't have a dad, this is how it impacted me, and this is how I go in my life moving forward, this guy condescends to him and says, well, I'm not really into Freud. <laughs> so you've just contradicted the entire reason that you're here to have this conversation. Right. And it's it's kind of rich coming from, the, you know, people who would identify as non-binary or kind of into the gender ideology stuff. They're very much into validating people's personal experiences and how they feel. Mm-hmm. But when you're saying, hey, as an individual, I'm here's how I've come to understand how my preferences in finding a mate are shaped. And I reject the idea that it's all this. I'm, I have to rebel against the norms of society. Or that's oppressing me. For me, it's more about my, my own individual experience. Why is there such a a resistance to that from uh, from Griffin. It's kind of ironic that, you know, generally they're so wanting to be validating, but only uh, if it fits a certain ideology, apparently. Exactly. And, you know, uh, the, the joke of being Freudian or subscribing to Sigmund Freud's teachings or ideology and what he wrote and what he thought was uh, important and, and pivotal to the human psyche not exactly a W there. Like, I'm sure Freud was right about quite a lot. (laughs) He's one of the fathers of psychology and psychoanalysis. So to just discount him and say, oh, that's very Freudian, just it's very egotistical. And another bit of irony is he's he's sort of mocking the idea of, you know, your your Freudian daddy issues. But I would submit maybe that Griffin has daddy issues with the patriarchy that he hasn't dealt with. And if you're also at the same time, not acknowledging the reality of relation, how re- impacts of your, whether you agree with Freud's way of, of analyzing that or not, um, 
you, the to deny that the your relationship with your father or your mother or your parents would have an, an impact on and you it's healthy to process that and understand how that forms who you are as an individual and what your expectations are in relationships why would you not want to process that if anyone's got unresolved issues with their daddy or <laughs> with patriarchy it's the bad dates i've had is when i'm like talking about my problems mm. i'm complaining about something i'm not going to see that woman if i'm projecting more strength, I'm, I'm more charismatic, I'm positive, I'm, I'm probably gonna see that woman. So I, I think as much as like, guys, you know, you want guys to be vulnerable, that doesn't work a lot of times. Would that not be the case for most individuals? If you're feeling very low and down about yourself as far as self-esteem, something you're going through in life, whatever the case may be, do you wanna maybe go on a date with a, with a guy or go on a date with a girl in that moment? Probably not. But if you're feeling confident, feeling like you're looking good, doing well, feeling good as an individual, are you gonna wanna go on a date with somebody? Probably. <laughs> That's probably when you're gonna wanna shine and, and do something. Now, if we're talking about getting into a long-term relationship and you're uncomfortable being around that person when you're feeling vulnerable, I would say there's some inner issues to work through that really, we could try to pin it on society and standards and all these things, but I, hot take, I think a lot of people blame so much of their internal issues on society and they really need to take stock in themselves and take inventory about how they let things affect them and what are their own personal issues. Society is a really easy thing to blame when you could be taking stock of your your own problems. And this is something that I'm, uh, been, I've done and for a really long time and been a perpetrator of. And then you realize, oh no, Taking extreme responsibility for the things that I'm feeling, the things that I'm doing and, and thinking is far more important than trying to analyze society and place blame on it. I think it just comes down to that. That's what I'm saying. That's what it is. Like, that's what I'm saying. And it sounds like a lot of you are saying that's wrong. I'm yeah, and wrong. it's like, I'm not it's like, it's wrong. I think it is what it is. I just think that society teaches you you have to be a certain way. And that's really. And that's, and that's my issue because. Right. If this is who you are, your character, right? It, it just blossoms into this person that loves to pay for dates, loves to open doors, and loves to walk in the house, then that's fine. But when society tells you that from a young boy, that that's the only way to be as a man. This is the only way to be. And, and you think about things like, uh, say, people on the download that don't, that don't want to come out till later because they're scared of societal pressures, right? You should be able to be whoever you want without society telling you you have to be this way in order to fit in this box. I don't know. I, I'm just really unconvinced in the fact that we're sitting here with a panel of nine men, all very diverse backgrounds, as you can see. I think there's only like three white guys in this whole thing, and one of them is non-binary. We have uh, a half black, I'm assuming Christian's half black, a gay man, an Asian man, black men, all these different things. And you're all talking about masculinity and femininity and expressing yourselves on Vice, which is a national platform, actually a worldwide platform. This plays worldwide. So how convinced am I that men don't have the platform to talk about these things? And again, you, we can blame it on society. And of course, society will always have standards and pressures that has existed for as long as civilization has existed. At what point do we go, yep, society is always going to have its pressures and its standards, and it is on me to decipher whether or not those pressures are good or bad, and to take that in, take that stock in my own life and, and go about my business. And if I wanna teach my son something different to society, which we all will, <laughs> mm -hmm. you do exactly that. If I have a daughter, am I gonna have her be beholden to Victoria's Secret beauty standards and BBLs and Kim Kardashian and all this stuff? 
No, but society loves that stuff. Society pays millions and billions of dollars to see this stuff on a, on a daily basis. I can look at that and go, yeah, society seems to have a standard for my, my daughter and what she should be interested in, what she should look like. I'm going to take that in, say, you know what? Not good, not healthy, and I'm going to teach her something different. We can all do that. We're all capable. Yeah, and I just struggle watching this with, like, what uh, is the vision that these men have for masculinity beyond just not being oppressed by society into being a man in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Because on the feminism one that we reacted to as well, it's sort of the same idea of, like, well society has all these norms around being a woman or being a man and they're trying to impose them on us and i don't like that and it's like okay well well what does being a man or being a woman mean to you and beyond just not being pressured to society and just being and then and i feel like in a modern culture uh, especially in like the western world america today it's we we have this like subconscious have enshrined this this sacred idea like almost nothing is sacred except your individual autonomy and you being you and you being your true self. And mm -hmm. that is the most unquestionable thing in the world. And it's self-evidently good. And kind of like we've reacted to uh, Dennis's comments about, you know, we, uh, the world's a better place with you in it and saying that to mm -hmm. a child, he said, is not necessarily like a good thing on its face uh, because you'd have to create something of yourself. And like, wh where's the evidence that just because you exist? And that's, you know, and that, but that is a, that's sort of a hot take coming from a masculine, <laughs> masculine side of things, which is like, you're, you, yes, the feminine is like, you're valuable just the way you are. Let's nurture you. Let's, you know, you need yeah. to receive love and everything. The masculine's like, I love you, but you know, let's, you got to make something of yourself and you got to take responsibility for yourself. And, uh, anyways, I just wonder like, you know, is the current, uh, vision that we have in society for what makes you man, what makes you woman? Is it, is it enough? Because I feel like we don't have anything beyond just, uh, don't be limited by society's expectations. Don't be limited by tradition and what, uh, what these norms are imposed on you. Don't let anyone tell you what you are. Just be. And mm -hmm. I'm like, is that is that really enough for because because baked in that and that's why we we see all this like rebellion against traditional gender roles and and anything like you know we're wanting to do like gender swapping in Hollywood movies and just changing the like mythology around how we understand ourselves as people. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff's grounded in real true things that I feel like we're just fighting so hard to escape from today. And we'd be better off and have a healthier society and people's lives would be more functional or relationships would be more functional if we reattached ourselves to some of those fundamental truths about what it is to be a man what it is to be a woman yeah i think it's just a, a healthy mix is necessary i think that when we look at men who go out and commit atrocities or are are extremely violent the marker of what they're missing really at the foundation of themselves is a lack of love and a lack of being told that they're special and that they mm -hmm. have an opportunity to contribute something to the world. So that's where I disagree with Dennis in saying that kids shouldn't be told that. I think that can be the one message that a child is missing in their life that changes their path from being super fruitful to completely disastrous. But it comes with, that message should come with, but you also have potential. And there's, there's kinetic energy as in you are special and you are doing something right now and simply being who you are and being on this earth. And there's potential energy in that what are the things that you have yet to harness? What are the things that you have yet to achieve? And what is the way that works best for you so that we get you there? And if we can't figure out maybe what an ideal situation is or at least the, the situation that brings about the best outcome for men, 
we can't talk about that potential energy we can't, because there's nowhere to go. There's no there's mm -hmm. no through line. There's no light that we're that we're looking at at the end of the tunnel. So it's it's a mix. I think it's okay to tell kids that they're special, and it's not not only is it okay, but it's it's true. And uh, you need to have that also be in accessing of their 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 future. Like Jordan Peterson says, like, <laughs> about to looking that. at who somebody can be later on requires judgment of who they are now, yep. but it also requires judgment of what they could be. And isn't it wonderful to hear that you can be so much more than you are right now? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be stuck where you are right now for the rest of your life? Do you want to be exactly who you are right now? Never grow, never change, never progress as they say in any way. No, you want to know that there's more potential, but that requires judgment of yourself and maybe a knock to the self-esteem. Okay, well, you, you mentioned Jordan Peterson. He also has this this idea where he says it's, we struggle to, uh, con like, when we when we want to establish an ideal, people, uh, oh my God, what the <laughs> no okay, twenty one forty, cut this out. Here we go. <laughs> so Jordan Peterson talks about too uh, how we hesitate to establish an ideal because the when you establish an ideal, it it's it becomes a judge against you, mm -hmm. and I think. You know, that's that's another part of this conversation is why our culture today, we prefer to just be and just exist, because if there is no standard of what a what a of anything associated with being a man that I can be judged by, then I'm I'm I think I'm free of that. Yeah. But that's that's the problem with when you have like total absolute freedom like nothing means anything it's all just like this this generic blob of mess and i think that's why so many people on both sides are are lost yeah and, yeah i mean look at like the body positivity movement it's a bunch of people going i don't want to say that a certain body type is healthy because that means that i have to be beholden to that idea and i have to be held accountable to that idea so if i'm overweight or morbidly obese and i say that there's not health at any size and that there is something that i need to work towards then that hits my self-esteem and I have to be held accountable to that image and people don't want to be held accountable to it. It's with virtually all these movements you can see there's a pressure of not wanting to be held accountable to something. Uh, yeah, all, all over the place. Very much, very much right on that. Pressure is on like the body. Like pressure is to be buff, to like look good. There is a certain pressure, I guess, can call it for guys to look a certain way, especially if they're trying to attract women. So I think it comes down to just men who look a certain way tend to look more competent. They can protect. I was just gonna add on to what you were saying. If a guy looks fit, if a guy looks strong, okay, as a girl, she's probably thinking, if I'm on the street and somebody tries to do something to me, I know that he can handle it. I also think generally, like, guys who don't have the body that they're looking for are generally, they're not as healthy. Um, it's not just a look thing, it's just a health thing. Yeah, that's you know, the body and mind are connected. Um, if someone is strong, they're probably gonna look strong and they're probably gonna feel strong. So I think um, when you say it's a pressure, I think it's, it can be construed as a healthy pressure. Hey, get strong, be strong, because you're gonna be a healthier and more mentally fit individual. Absolutely. For example, right, I was a gymnast and I think you know, the training that I did not only trained my body, but it winded up training my mind and making me right. a stronger human. And just look at any species that has ever existed. And we'll say, we'll say heterosexual species. They're all looking to attract mates. And the men that harness certain characteristics and certain outward appearances get 
women and reproduce and they mate. There I go. And to think that we should be excluded from that because we're humans and we what we're cognizant of of that and we're conscious of it is ridiculous. Of course we have body standards for both men and women. And I love that they're saying that taking care of your body and uh, your physical fitness also is fortifying for your mind and your your mental health because these things go hand in hand with each other. And if you are a man who who looks good physically or or is at the very least physically fit, you can say that probably part of your mind is too because that requires uh, a little bit of pressure, positive pressure as he puts it, and it requires mental fortitude. So yeah, it's great. Period. As the skinniest person here, um, <laughs> pretty skinny. You skinny. <laughs> All right, as the second <laughs> No, it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you do. I've, I've had a bunch of girls, like, friends on me, and I'd be like, why? And they're like, you're just too skinny. And I'd, I'd be like, damn. I mean, they kept it so real, I can't. That's, yeah, but kind I'm like, of to say that, yeah. Is saying that there is a, a good and natural connection between, like, feeling good, healthy habits, looking good, and that there's a masculine ideal to that of some sort. Does anyone disagree with that here? I do. Body diversity exists across like multiple spectrums, and I think that it's unfair to like only attribute like mental fortitude and like mental strength to like physical strength. It's not having like a It's not only attributing mental fortitude and mental capacity and competence to physical strength, but we're saying physical physical strength in and physical fitness is very helpful in fortifying the mind. If you even think about it from a biology perspective you know when you are doing exercise taking in oxygen burning fat your cells are working i mean it, it helps with metabolism it helps your cells function in the way that they need to function and they were created to function so if you're a person who does not engage in any sort of physical activity what are your what are your cells looking like what are your oxygen levels looking like how much adipose tissue fat tissue do you have in your body and how is that affecting the way that you move about the world how does that affect your cognition the things that you're eating if you're eating a bunch of processed foods and all these things that affects you mentally and people don't want to talk about that for whatever reason but it certainly does and it affects you negatively so to not be able to take stock of that in a person that you're dating or a person that you're judging, I guess, it's just a, it's just negating science. Like, if you want to say follow the science and all this stuff, there's nothing more scientific than saying that eating well and being physically fit is better for your body and your mind. Right, and this is what I was trying to say a second ago with the uh, the idea that there's it's so simplistic to say unhealthy body standards exist Therefore, all body standards are invalid. Like mm -hmm. that's that's just juvenile thinking. Yep. Um, wise, mature, real life people have to look at that and say, yes, unfair body standards exist, but also certain norms around body standards exist for good reasons because yeah. they are uh, they overlap with health and with flourishing and functioning as a person. And the mature thing to do uh, and wise thing to do uh, it, and the way that you can express your individuality as a human being is figure out, okay, what are the standards that are unfair or informed that go in excess of what is just healthy? Um, or And then to what degree do I want to follow those? And to what degree do I want to follow the good ones and reject the bad ones? That's how you assert your individuality. You're not, it doesn't make you this unique person to say, oh, all the body standards are bad and I'm never gonna, you know, that's just, 
it's, you're not doing the critical thinking. You're not negotiating your existence with objective reality. You're just sort of rejecting it and saying, now reality has to adapt to my vision because I saw some unfairness somewhere. And yep. that just, that, I see so much of that kind of thinking from the men and the women. Um, and and it's just, it's just juvenile. Yep. And mature people have to you, think critically and have to do that exchange and you don't always get it right. And sometimes, you know, I'm sure we've all been through phases in our life where we had insecurity about a, a, you know, our body and that's probably informed by some unhealthy standard and we, you have an unhealthy relationship with food or unhealthy relationship with exercise or whatever. And, you know, that's just part of being a person and you have to figure out where you're going to land on that. And, and that's just, that's growth. That's normal. And so to the, we're not getting anywhere if we're just denying uh, basic realities about biology, which we, we know to be true. Yep. And, and again, that, it's in the same way that like having an image of what a, a good man or like a, you know, a, a healthy man even is, is a judge. Biological reality is a judge, yeah. you know? And so when, when, if you have too much fat tissue, we know, or and on your body, we know there's a lot of negative health outcomes associated with it. You mm-hmm. can look at the studies, you can look at just, you know, results of, Look at how many people dying Medicine. of heart attacks exactly. and obesity in this country. Just look at it. Yeah. And that and that is a judge. You know, it's not no one's no that's not some person being mean to you and trying to impose something on you. That's just reality and you you're accountable to reality whether you want to be or not. Yeah, and it makes you a sheep. It really does. If you go if I if I look at any body standard and I'm going to reject that body standard, it makes you a sheep because I can put anything in front of you and you will reject it regardless of how valid it is. If you are a person who says, if it comes from an authority figure that I don't like or I don't like the sound of, I'm going to reject it, you are a sheep because it doesn't matter what I put in front of you. You are going to reject it. If you're somebody who says, whatever Republicans say, I hate the Republicans, so I'm not gonna listen, sheep. Same thing, if you say that about Democrats, Shape. <laughs> you have to be able to take in information and go, okay, despite the source that it's coming from, is there anything decipherable here that I can figure out and figure out whether or not it's true or false? And then you go on about your business. Like, whew. a perfectly in shape body doesn't necessarily mean you're unhealthy by any means. And I also don't think it necessarily means that you like lack mental fortitude. I don't think I'm saying that, that. <laughs> um, um, to look strong is the only way to be mentally strong. Um, exactly. I think. As long as you feel like you have a competent physical body, I think that's gonna benefit your mental health. How do you define competent? Yeah. I think in terms of what you're trying to do. So if, what do you, are you a student? Like, do you, what are your endeavors in life? Me? Yes. I'm a student athlete. Okay, what kind of, what kind of sport? I'm a springboard diver. Okay, do you, um, Why? Why do you do it? How does it make you feel? How does your body look and feel when you wake up in the morning? If I, sent you to a building, right? And I said, we're gonna meet on the 20th floor and there's no elevator. Can you get all the way up 20 flights of stairs and and meet me there without huffing and puffing and going through a really hard time with your body? Is all of this pretty important? (laughs) Is all of that pretty helpful to you as an individual? I would say that fortifies the mind and it's okay to admit that. Train to do springboard diving? Yeah. Okay, and do you feel good when you train and you do well on the springboard? Yeah. I think that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. If you feel competent at the endeavors you're trying to do, I think that's but I think what that contributes to a lot of like non-athletic people who may not be in like like the same physical shape as like an athlete would be, right. who sure. are competent in what they're trying to do because that like action has nothing to do with like their like. So that's where I disagree with you. That's yeah. why I disagree with you. I think some people who don't realize the potential for their physical 
to blend into her mental is something that needs to be talked about. I think it's undervalued. They're not talking about competence as a whole. They're not saying if you are not physically fit, you lack competence as a whole. But what he is saying is that if you are not mixing in physical fitness with whatever it is you're trying to achieve mentally, in your work, in your daily lifestyle, whatever, there is a little part as far as mental capacity that is not being achieved for you because you're not accessing it. Just like if I never did, I don't think of like brain games you do on your iPhone and things like that, just to keep the mind sharp, playing Sudoku or, uh, you know, crossword puzzles yeah. yeah whatever it is if you don't do those things for a long time or you're never using your brain in that way and in that function that's a little piece of your competency that you're missing and you're not accessing but it's there for you to access if you want to do it doesn't mean you're you're incompetent doesn't mean you're illiterate doesn't mean any of those things it just means that's a part of your brain that you're not sharpening on a daily basis simple as that it's not that you have to work out to have a competent mind. It's that working out does oh. help with competency. Okay, we, we already <laughs> know when you work Thank out, you. endorphins are released. People feel better. There's so many times I wake up, I don't want to go to the gym. It's going to be the worst day ever. I'm in a bad mood. I go, my endorphins are released. I'm great. I'm woken up. Like, we, we have the science for that. So plays very little. We've had presidents in wheelchairs. They were very confident, successful men who couldn't walk. <laughs> And so I'm going to say that it doesn't define you I as think a man. A he didn't say it defines you as a man. I just, when, I, it's just so wonderful to listen to people talk about a subject matter for like 10 minutes or whatever, and they just all talk in absolutes when nobody is trying to give you an absolute. Of course, we have presidents, incompetent people who are in wheelchairs or they're disabled or they're incapable of engaging in physical activity in some way, shape, or form. We are just saying there's a small part of competence and your mental fortitude that you could be accessing that you're not accessing. It's just comical, oh like, how difficult it is to get six people or however many are on here to agree on just a basic idea. Because it's like because they don't want to admit it. Yeah. Because they just don't want to accept what is true. Yeah. Oh, and my gosh. I feel like just we're we're in a, a time, too, where it, you know, like, again, the, the we keep, I keep referring back to it, but the, the what is a woman thing, we're just in a time where... Things that we agreed upon as self-evidently true, ha, the, the the list of those things has grown so small that say, making the mo a most basic observation about life is that you will be, you know, able to exercise is good for you is basically all right. they're saying. It's, right. it's good for you to do what, what you're doing no matter what. It doesn't mean you have to be an athlete. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, if you just to go about your life, you're better off with a little bit of exercise. Now, well, we had a president in a wheelchair. It's like. Yeah. Okay. It's like yes, that's of true, course. but that's not the point. There is just the, the the ability to just like communicate is just lost. Lost. Oh it's, my it's, gosh! It's, it's depressing. It's gone. <laughs> what but is the societal saying? pressure to be in shape for men? I don't. And then I, 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 there's a biological pressure to be in shape for everybody. 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 I just. I don't like when my stomach, when I'm having sex, my stomach like is over her butt or whatever. Like, I want to eat got, less, got, me. Paul can change like, that. You're fat. We've spent all this time like deconstructing masculinity and all these things, but then it seems as though if a woman or someone dating says, hey, I want a swole guy, suddenly it's like, sorry, I don't think that's a societal pressure. That's what that woman wants and she's entitled to have. But I'm, context I'm also, I also, you know, I have body type. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Like there's, 
I'm not gonna say what it is, but there's certain girls where I'll go on it, and I'm like, we all you don't do. really have the what I'm looking. I don't say that because that's the dick, but in my head, I'm just like, ah, this isn't gonna right, work. So Every person sitting there has their preference. Every single person has groups of people that they would look at and go, I am not attracted to that, and therefore I am not going to pursue that person. Every single one of them. One well, thing to fair. have a preference and another thing to make like a sweeping like conclusion and then like broadcast it everywhere. No, people right. are entitled to date their preference. Because when you look at statistics, they say that, what is it, like 70% of CEOs are over the size six foot four, yeah. for example. So there is amongst men a preference. It's also not true. I looked, I looked that up, it's not true. <laughs> There is a disproportionate amount of male CEOs who are like six foot or near it, six foot or above. And I think what the average height for men is five nine. So clearly we view men who are taller and probably more slender to Deep, be deeper voice is another one. Deeper voice, yeah, to be more competent. Uh, and these are just, you know, things associated with growth, testosterone. Just like so, yeah. most uh, supermodels are taller women. Yep. There's just these are just basic Realities. Yep. <laughs> pressure to be bigger, and bigger men tend to be in charge, and that's proven, statistically proven. And so there is a pressure for men who are naturally smaller, naturally overweight, naturally not as fit, to become fit or to become bigger. Well, and every uh, one and of I us think, here have heard little man syndrome. We, oh, yeah. We've all who hasn't heard, heard that one of us He's got Napoleon syndrome. He's got right. little man syndrome. Yeah. But it's a thing, though. Yeah. yeah it, it, <laughs> and you'll see it in animals, too. Male animals that don't meet the mating standards will try to compensate for that in any way they can to in, in order to get a mate. The same for females. It's just evolutionary. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it, and that's where um, that's where it becomes harmful. Specifically, like you know, you know, short king spring or whatever. Like a person, I mean, you can't like. I mean, there is like I guess like on Twitter, I've seen like oh people getting a surgical procedure to break their legs and add six inches uh, to their height or something yeah, like that. that. It's stuff you can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, like, but yeah. like besides that, which is like a really expensive um, procedure, it's also like comes into socioeconomic background and things like that as well, too. And it's like, you literally, like, you literally can't do anything about that. I think that's where it becomes harmful, which like, all right, like. Sometimes I'm like, why are we conscious? No. <laughs> 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 Oh my gosh, we're deconstructing things that are just normal. And there's a conversation to be had here about like, you know, okay, we're talking about masculinity, there's short 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 man syndrome exists, <laughs> but the conversation is, okay, yes, generally speaking, human beings for evolutionary reasons and others, uh, just for males prefer height and larger size and deeper voice and stuff like that. If you fall short of that standard, no pun intended, but if you're on the shorter end of the distribution, uh, what is, does that mean you're less valuable as a man? Are we gonna place less valuable as men in society? No, of course not. Are some people going to be a-holes about that and probably write you off or treat you differently, unfairly, because you're shorter? Maybe you might get teased, whatever, because that's a, that's a real thing, it exists. And, right. and, and that standard is out there and it's real, but it's on you as an individual to be like, okay, this, this standard exists, but I'm not going to let society dictate my self-worth that way or this objective standard that's out there in the world i'm going to assert myself over that and become valuable as a person and not let that hold me back in life uh 
just because that that's out there. I'm, I'm going to overcome that. And like, that's where the conversation should be going. Right. And, and the conversation should be about how you as a man should find your identity and find your sense of self-worth in other things, in what makes you as a person, in your character, in your strength, in your vision, in, in how you can lead, in your responsibility, and all and what you can make of yourself outside of that one small dimension. And that's part of being a man is like overcoming. And part of being a woman is overcoming insecurities about body image on that side. Yeah. And, and guess what? Women will be attracted to you. Exactly. Exactly. They will be attracted to you because your mindset trumps the cards you're dealt in every like regardless of what cards you're dealt in life. Women are attracted to men who are like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm five, seven. What? What about it? Uh, I, I, I will still uh, pursue this woman. I'm still funny. I'm still all the whatever, whatever the thing is. Women are attracted to that. Yeah. <laughs> what women are not attracted to is like short kings or whatever being like. Yeah, I'm short and there's like societal standard around me being short and now I've dedicated my entire life to like short king activism and all this right. stuff. It's just like, oh And on the flip side, women are not, I mean, the I'm going to have to qualify this a little bit, but women aren't attracted to deep down or like aren't looking for a long-term partner with like a tall man who has crappy character and who yeah. relies on his height for his confidence and that's all of the extent of his personality and confidence right. and everything is just about being this physically domineering person who has got no empathy and has no depth or no substance or is very yeah. smart or anything like that it's 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 not inherently like it's a one it's one dimension and and anyway all these conversations get so reductive and and but they can't even get there this is i right. feel like what i'm saying is like stuff everybody knows pretty intuitively yeah. and, and no one really believes that you have zero chance with women if you're on the shorter side uh but we can't, we can't even get to that conversation with these guys. 6'2 only gets your foot in the door. Mm. That's literally it. That's it. And it is an advantage, just like pretty privilege is an advantage. I'm not trying to deny that, but I'm just saying, like, it goes both ways. Yeah. It's not the it's, end all be all. It's really not going away anytime soon. So we can talk about it more if you want. There's <laughs> the pressure in which, like, I can't date a person or I can't, like, get a position or I can't do X, Y, and Z because I'm not a certain height or um, something I literally cannot change about myself. Then what now? Are we gonna cry because short five foot seven men can't play in the NBA? Like, is that the next the next movement that we have? Is short kings playing in the NBA? Probably not. Why? It's because we accept that the the basketball hoop is so high, and only men of a certain height, for the most part, can dunk in that hoop. But nobody's running a movement for more short people in the NBA. So why is it that in these very obvious situations we can recognize that and go yeah it's okay i just wasn't born that way wasn't born that tall i can't walk for victoria's secret because i don't have the body and i'm not six foot like these other girls are i accept that that's totally cool so why is it so easy to accept these these examples and then when you go oh yeah it actually translates sometimes outside of the nba too and then they go <gasps> are you kidding me are you telling me i'm disadvantaged in other parts of life too what is big dick energy? <laughs> it's, it's, it's when confidence crosses the line of arrogance. Nope. That's exactly. I don't. People I don't have know. told me. I, no. People have told me I, I have BDE. You have BDE. I, yeah. People told me I had BDE. You did in that back room. Not, not Look at Griffin's face. I just can't. his energy is so it just. Uh, really puts me off, well. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> even, he, even he said, I, look at that. I think, I think BDE is like just a, a confident, confident man. I don't think it's an arrogant man. I don't yeah. find arrogance to be 
big dick energy, I find it to be insecure. If you're arrogant, you're trying to like, I don't. No I find it stage. so odd to equate somebody's like the size of their genitals to like the quality of their character. Like what? That's nobody's That's a lot business. Of more See, of just like a metaphor. I don't know. Like everything's a problem. Everything's a problem. Think about what you're saying when you say that guy has BDE. First of all, you don't know what he looks like naked, so it doesn't matter anyways. You're giving him a positive characteristic. You're basically saying it doesn't matter what you look like naked. You have BDE. That's a positive thing. You're actually negating body standards and saying I don't accept body standards. Your energy is the standard. It's like it's like telling a short guy you have tall guy energy. That's saying right. I'm rejecting the fact that you're short. I don't care about that. You have the energy of somebody who's confident and classy and comes forward. Why do you have a problem with that? Because it acknowledges that the existence of a standard. And that's what we're against. It's not okay to have tall guy energy because then you're implicitly acknowledging that tallness is a positive trait. Right. Or that penis size <laughs> is a positive trait. My BDE. And why would BD, why would that be... A positive. Think about evolutionarily why somebody would care about that and say that that's a positive thing. I'm not going to explain <laughs> it to you guys. Just think about it. You know how in uh, classical, you know, sculptures and stuff, they have small D's. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if they said like SDE in uh, classic Greece terms. You have SDE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And fun fact, that's because like a lot of philosophers and thinkers at the time thought that if you had a small package going on there, that meant that you had more blood flow to the brain and that mm -hmm. you weren't you weren't as driven by your male urges as other right. people the were. The barbarians were the ones with the BDE and that was a bad thing. Exactly. So, so society shifts and changes in, in what it wants. Mm -hmm. Okay. But see, but, that, really see, like but that. then it comes back. Now we're getting into like you know a deeper conversation, which like some men see a value based off the size of what they're, what they're carrying between their legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's why the conversation of big dick energy comes into. It. And guess what? Those men are not going far, and they're probably <laughs> not getting married. And if they're getting married, they're getting married to horrible women that value for value them for only that too. It doesn't matter what you got as a man, right? If that's the only thing that you value and you're coming to the table and you're like, I don't care about this, this and that, I have a BD. Guess what? People are gonna be like, okay, that gets you so far. It's a form of insecurity. I got it. I mean, you just reminded me. I went to a comedy show here uh, a few months ago in LA and mm -hmm. one of the, it was like, you know, not really a, a high profile place. Um, but anyways, one of the comedians there was this guy and his whole act was about his penis size. <laughs> he had, I'm not kidding you, had like a mold of his penis when he was born or a baby that was, I don't know why his parents made him. That's probably what messed up this per person. Yeah. Um, but it was like, you know, abnormally large or whatever. So he wears that as a necklace and <sighs> like every joke was about how big his wee wee is and it was just like the entire set for 10 minutes and guess what everyone hated it yeah and he got like no laughs he bombed so hard everyone in the in the place was just like dude are you kidding me right now um because it was just like he was just wallowing in insecurity basically yes by you know just repeating the, this was his entire personality his entire source of strength and confidence in the world was staked on that and it's not enough it doesn't get you far it's like the dude riding around in the super loud motorcycle every time i hear a super loud mo motorcycle i'm like oh yeah totally want to date that guy it just shouts insecurity like loud no! 
noises! I need to be heard. I need to be the person in the room. Sorry if any of you have loud motorcycles, but I, it just really... <laughs> I sarcastically, when I hear a car like that, I, I go, uh, BD alert. I say, I say, <laughs> exactly. I say that out loud exactly. <laughs> and just think about, for the women listening right now, think about... You know, you meet some some short guy or whatever. You meet two short men, right? Okay. And maybe you're you're not a very nice woman, right? And you walk up to man A and you go, man A, you're super short. Ha <laughs> ha you're so short. And he goes, well, yeah, I am short. And, you know, I'm disadvantaged in the world because I'm short. And women like you judge me all the time because I'm short. Okay. And then you, you take that in for, for man A. And then you walk up to man B and you go, ha ha ha, you're so short. And he goes, ha, yeah, I am short. And he just looks at you and says, yeah, I'm short. And who cares? Which man are you more attracted to? Which man is like exuding confidence for you and really does not care and is not sitting and wallowing in his insecurities? Probably be. Probably be. And you'd be like, oh man, I'm sad that I made fun of him. I take that back. Into place because people feel as though like, you know, a man that's like, you know, more, that's packing more down there, you know what I mean? Is more like, you know, one, they're better in bed. They're like more confident people. They're exuding a certain energy. So that like, let's stay yeah, stereotypes. You know, okay. so the stereotypes associated with having a big day. It's a lack of a need to overcompensate to society because you know you're adequate. You know what you got. You, you walk confident. with confidence because right. you, like, uh, you can tell when somebody's putting on because they lack in certain, in certain ways. And men, mm-hmm. me, and people I know, equate manhood and masculinity to their dick size and how much money they got. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yo, you feel more confident. And sometimes that kind of stuff bleeds into violence. And you see that in domestic violence situations, like men are like the perpetrators of that by and large. There's something wrong with masculinity when it becomes violent. 100%. I also think because of testosterone and a number of different things, men are inherently more violent. Of course. Hmm. But being able to control it, that's the yeah, that's we should It's being able control. to control it. That's where yeah. the responsibility yeah. comes in. You should be a monster an absolute monster, and then you should learn how to control it. Do you know the expression, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war? Right. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of wisdom behind that saying. Right. Oh, George Orwell said, uh, said, people sleep peaceably in their beds at night because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. I go. think that's a, that's a big thing, but the, the key is to be, to be ready, to have the ability um, and, exactly. and also the humility and the confidence um, to not use it unless it's absolutely necessary. I don't think we teach boys that enough because I think promoting violence is extremely toxic. Is there something like the what comes to mind when they're you know saying all these phrases and quotes and all this stuff? The Dana White situation where his wife slaps him and then he slaps the wife. He slaps the wife back. Now, regardless how you feel about it, how it was covered in the headlines, which we talked about on the show, how much more powerful is it to be a man standing there getting hit by a woman over and over and then you go <laughs> and then just don't do anything or restrain her and stop her from from hitting you? How how much more weak does it look as a man to not be able to harness your aggression and to slap a woman back? Now, we can talk about whether or not it's his right to do it. I think if somebody shows aggression towards you, you really do have, you know, you can respond to that aggression in the way that you you see fit, uh, regardless of who, who the person is. I'm not saying, like, kill somebody or anything like that, but, I mean, uh, you know, 
equal rights, equal fights. <laughs> um, but how much more masculine is it to go, oh, I'm just going to restrain this person and I'm not going to retaliate against this person because I know my strength as a man. I know I'm far more powerful than her and I don't need to show her this. Controlling that anger, controlling that aggression and that want to assert yourself so much more masculine. Yeah, this is why Beauty and the Beast is a fairy tale that really has a lot of cultural significance and that, that is actually very deep and meaningful and, and because it, it resonates with people because it captures something very true, which is the, the ideal man is a beast in a, in a manner of speaking. He is mm -hmm. strong. Like Jordan Pierce says, you should be a monster. Mm -hmm. Like It's true. You, like you should have the ability to be uh, competent, mm -hmm. be strong, be able to make your way in the world, provide, do all those things. Um, and you should be a force to can be to, to reckon with you should be able to protect and all that um but you should also be tamed and you should be able and that doesn't mean you're you lose your strength you're not strong it means that you have the strength but you don't use it you're you're you, you retaliate and i i'm really encouraged by this um this segment because all these guys it seems like for all the things that we have lost about basic notions of masculinity mm -hmm. um in this day and age that this one remains somewhat intact that men agree that like it's not wrong for men to be strong it is right for men to have self-control and and resist violence and what's even more interesting is that they got there in bringing up very old dated traditional views of masculinity and traditional quotes we're talking like george orwell so <laughs> does that speak like the, the only the time proverb the guy said yeah, the garden thing yeah for the most part what has resonated and has been very rational is just old school views of what it means to be a man something inherently violent about masculinity Inherently violent? I don't think, I don't think so. No. I don't no. think so. If a majority of men were bad, evil, I violent, so. I think so. <laughs> a lot of us would not be sitting here today. <laughs> okay, we'd still be in the in the in the in the Stone Age. You know what I mean? That's why I, I, I kind of push back against that that idea that inherently men are violent, inherently masculinity is bad, is violent, because I don't I don't believe that that's true. Why do you think that such a vast majority of mass shootings are done by men? I think that's a mental health issue. I think that. It was a mental health issue, then why aren't women doing it? That is going to be the question. If you put a hundred men in an arena and a hundred women in an arena from birth to, you know, growing into adulthood and you didn't teach them anything and you gave them no practices as far as what they're supposed to do with violence and aggression and those feelings that they feel in 50 years, how many men are still going to be in that arena? And in 50 years, how many women are still going to be in their arena? I have a feeling there'd be a lot more aggression on the male side. So there's something to say about that. And, it, and this is why we're talking about men in crisis. Yeah, because men are more willing to, to do what they have to, you know, to not do what they have to do, but to take action in terms of that. And that's how we talk about this, you know, men in crisis. A lot of those mass shooters are males because a lot of males, they don't know how to have an outlet or to find outlets to, to talk about what, what their issues are. That's what it comes down to. We know that these mass shooters, most of them are white males. We know that. So when I talk to, to a lot of white males that, are, that have traditional values, say, or maybe a traditional upbringing, they feel like they've been made to be the villains of society. And so I feel that pressure a lot of times. I feel like, hey, like when we're having this conversation, even I hear words like patriarchy, traditional uh, society, right? So I feel like I'm being... <sighs> Doesn't have to say anything. It's just all over his face. Yeah, it's just... Such bad vibes, mm. such bad vibes. Put in a box, 
It's like you're not trying. When people come to you and you're and you're talking to somebody and they're giving you looks like that, you should just might as well just like wash your hands a bit because they've already decided how they feel and they're not there to listen to you and understand how you feel about something. They're there to negate what you're what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And 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 made to be the villain. And I hear this from a lot of white males. I feel like I'm the bad guy. I feel like I'm the villain. So maybe at some point, mentally, they're breaking and becoming that villain. They're becoming that monster that they've been made out to be. Be the exception. Yeah. If you're worried about being put into a box that is one that is like clearly harmful based on like what people are doing, then don't do that. Mass shooters is like obviously like a sensitive topic, but a lot of them are like men with like little to no friends who like go out and in like a burst of rage, commit like atrocities. And <laughs> The biggest contradiction of the whole thing, because we're all here to deconstruct masculinity and traditional views, and he just said, well, if you think there's a pressure on you, then be the exception. Do the same for masculinity, and why are we sitting here talking about all societal issues when it pertains to men? Just be the exception. <laughs> it doesn't work. It only works if you are selfish and you think that your worldview is the only one that matters. Regardless of whether or not you think that white men are being victimized in today's society, don't you want to get down to the root of why they feel that way? You know, if I'm coming to you and I'm telling you, there's a monster behind me, there's a monster behind me, I hear all these voices, people are talking to me, and you don't see anything, and you don't hear anything, does that negate the way that I feel? <laughs> does that mean that I don't have any issues and I just need to be the exception and go about my life? No, you probably want to sit me down and talk to me about why I think there's a monster behind me and why I have voices in my head. And guess what? The white men who are saying they feel victimized by society are going to have a lot more basis and a lot more evidence for saying that than me talking about a monster that I'm feeling. They're actually going to have real-world examples of this happening to them. So why would you not want to get down to, to how they feel, especially if they're resorting to mass violence? <laughs> Right. It's crazy. It's the same energy as people who are so outraged by the existence of Andrew Tate, and they're like, oh, he's out there. Yeah, we got to silence him. Can you knock him off every platform? People are listening to them. They might be influenced. Let's just blah, blah, blah. And you never stop to ask, like, what is it about the conditions of society or the condition state of young men that they're attracted to this? Let's. It's, it's much easier to just say, oh, bad thing I don't like. Put that over there. Just be better. Fix it. And you're instead of actually contending with the issue, getting to the root of problems and thinking critically, investigating evidence and, and parsing out, okay, here's the different causes. Here's the conditions that are giving rise to this problem. Mm -hmm. Now, we should we double look maybe look inwardly should we look yeah. at ourselves as a society could we change some of these preconditions uh, that are causing young men to act out in this violence uh, <clears throat> but if you're if you're just like and that's why we talk about you you don't like to uh, call people evil because yeah. what it does is, is just like it puts that person and as a as the face of the problem puts them in a box and you just say okay well if i just do away with you and dismiss everything that you have to say as evil then i don't actually have to contend with any of your arguments i don't have to contend with where your arguments might be coming from or asking myself am i is this person feeling overlooked or feeling lashing out for some other reason i don't have to ask any of that i can right. just it's so lazy and it doesn't it's not helpful because you're not getting to the root of what's really going on and you can't even hope to solve any of these problems until you're willing to do that yeah i mean look at the idaho murders that happened and they have arrest, they've arrested brian koberger who murdered four people in cold blood so as far as we know now i mean innocence until proven guilty as far as that goes but i mean they have sufficient evidence to believe that he's done something like this imagine looking at him being just saying be the exception i don't know why you feel that way but be the exception when and and 
it, it's so weird because you try to have this conversation with people about like, we should probably figure out why that happened. And then they're like, oh, you're humanizing them too much. Well, I'd hope so because he is a human being and he did kill other human beings. So we should probably humanize him and find out what's happening on a human level that is creating this so it doesn't happen to other humans. And Brian Koberger, the person who committed these murders, we should probably do a whole separate video about this because he has old writings from when he was a teenager on the internet talking about how he feels depersonalized, how his head feels like static, how he didn't feel things for his family, he didn't feel things for his parents, and he was concerned for himself and scared for himself that he was feeling this way and he didn't know what he was going to do in his life. And we see this with mass shooters, with people who commit these atrocities. We need to talk about that discuss what brings about those feelings so that you can catch people before they get to the point where they're murdering four people in cold blood. And to just say, be the exception is just wild, <laughs> it's wild to me. And it, I don't think that it has to do with how they're hardwired as men. I think that it has you to could, do with how society like treats people like that. I agree with you on the point that. that men need support and they need someone to, to talk to and, and talk about these issues. I don't think that men have been taught emotional intelligence throughout life, right? We know, so we respond with anger. All right, if I'm disappointed, if I feel resentment, or I feel contempt, or I feel embarrassment, or I feel jealous, or any of these things that fall under that one thing, we respond with one way. And if we learn how to communicate better, if we were able to say, yo, you know what? I resent that you spoke to me that way. Or, you know, I feel jealous, you know, of whatever, if, if it was okay for men to express those things, we wouldn't feel a need to just go, you know what, fuck you. you take it is okay for men to express those things. I think you'll find that it is okay. And sometimes when you feel a societal pressure to do some things, the moment you step out of that societal pressure and do it, you'll find that you're really in a prison of your own mind, of your own anxiety. And I was watching a video the other day that was talking about anxiety, something that I feel quite often, just with random things in life. And we, we as humans, when we're feeling anxiety, we feel it in the brain, so we try to fix it in our brain. We try to go, you know, like, think about if you are socially anxious and you're scared of talking to people. So you go, okay, I feel anxious, I'm not gonna go to the party and I'm not gonna go talk to people because my brain is making me feel really, really uncomfortable. So we try to fix the anxiety within our brains, we stay home, we're antisocial, whatever. Guess what, the anxiety doesn't go away. When you're feeling those feelings in your brain, the best thing to do is to confront the issue that you feel anxiety with. So if you're a man saying, I, want to express my my jealousness, my resentment, my enviousness of this other person, but instead I'm resorting to aggression. Hold off for a second and try. Like, take the leap and go, hey, I resent what I resent you for that. I feel jealous about this situation and see how that person responds. It might be positive, it might be negative, but you took the step to talk. Same thing if you feel social anxiety. Don't try to hold off from going to the party or from talking to people. Instead, show up and start a conversation and see how it goes. And even if it goes poorly, you did it and you survived it. And that that's what tricks the brain. The brain then goes, oh wait, I didn't die because of that. Didn't have a heart attack or anything like that. It wasn't as scary as I had made it out to be. And men and women, everybody needs to do that. I struggle with coming to people and telling them how I'm feeling. And it's something that you just have to face. You have to go, you know what? I want to bottle this down. I want to swallow it. But I feel this way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you do it and you go, oh, and then it's fine. And you 
to survive. And your mind goes, oh, I didn't need to feel that way about that. And that's how you grow and become a healthier person. A lot of what you're saying overlaps with in, in how psychologists treat treat people with cognitive behavioral therapy. That's basically mm -hmm. what it is. It's giving them a, a micro dose, one little increment at a time of like, okay, you're scared of elevators. Let's go walk in the hallway where there is an elevator and just look at it from a distance. Yeah. Okay. How was that? Okay. Let's go tomorrow. Next week, we're going to go back and this time we're going to go walk up to it. And then the next week we're going to go and you're going to step inside. And then, you know, little by little, you get more comfortable with things that you're not comfortable with. And that, that is, that's like the only way it's, 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 it's like exercising a muscle yep. uh, in your soul. <laughs> Of, of overcoming atrophies. And, and when you find yourself, you know, in, like you said, in a prison of your own mind, um, mm. you have to just take those little steps and initiate whatever you're able to. And the bigger, the better. But, you know, and and push yourself a little bit and grow because yeah. you, you, otherwise what the alternative is, you're just going to keep shrinking and wither away in that area of your life. And probably once you let that uh, attack one area of your life and that gets your 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 self-confidence and your assurance gets smaller smaller guess what when that's broken so now it's gonna bleed over into other areas of your life and and before before long you're you're just in 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 a prison inside yourself and uh you know that that's not healthy that's not and uh, having conversations like this about what having a vision for yourself having standards having an ideal having a place of just just healthiness it's not saying you have to be this type of man this type of woman but just be, I think being emotionally healthy is such an underrated and under-celebrated thing in our society. It's yeah. like, you know, we will sell our souls to, to run, like we're very content and very happy if we have a vacation where we can post a bunch of cool Instagram photos, but it's not seen as an achievement to just be like, I'm not, I'm not beholden to a bunch of trauma and fears and insecurities and, and, and we don't celebrate when people overcome those enough either. Oh yeah, we tell them their life is easy. And that, like, you don't have to deal with the things that I have to deal with, so good for you. Even though, like, they've probably dealt with far more than you've had to deal with and actually faced it. And the most interesting part is all these men are doing that right now. They're all sitting in a room talking about mm -hmm. their feelings. So why is it not translating outside of the room with the camera? To any two three-year-olds. You take a three-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. I have two girls. You know, their, their first instinct is to lie to me, to manipulate me, to, to say their sister said this when she didn't. I have a friend that has all boys. You know what they do? They throw a fire truck at your head. Bam. That's a natural response. That's not a learned behavior. They're, no, they're taught. Oh, that's totally a learned oh, behavior. Yeah. And you yeah, give that's, kids that's only like cars. And it's a mix. It's a mix. Uh, so it is learned behavior in that, you know, kids don't just learn they don't just like pick up throwing fire trucks at people's heads for for no reason often they see that whether that's like watching somebody get a pie thrown in their face on on tv or watching dad yell at mom they they learn those things and they learn how to channel their aggression but they also feel those aggressive feelings and you have to figure out as a parent uh how to help them channel them like toddlers hit sometimes and they might might have seen that somewhere or seen it on a tv show seen it with mom and dad hopefully not uh but they do have aggression that they have to show in some way, shape, or form. So it's about showing them healthy ways to to do that. It's a mix of both. And of course, boys are going to feel more aggressive feelings than girls are. They just are. And gun and G.I. Joe action figures and give girls Barbie dolls like you. you I don't think you could say it's one or the other. I think there is some interplay between both. Thank you guys Thank you. for your honesty, your like willingness to go to Ooh, uncomfortable places, willingness to debate one another. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see like what sticks with me like in days to come after after our conversation because I think so many things were raised in such sort of a diverse perspective group. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you.
There we go. And that's the end of the Vice debates. I thought it was interesting. I thought these men brought quite a bit of new viewpoints to to the stage here and had a, a lot to delve into and talk about. Overall, I just think we can acknowledge what is biological and evolutionary reality and say that these are differences that we're going to experiences experience. There are challenges that both men and women have by virtue of being men and women. How do we navigate those challenges and how do we control the strong urges that we have in both of our respective camps? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. kudos to these guys for participating in this conversation. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, in as much as there's a, a path, a healthy path forward for us, it's it's in having conversations like this. Hopefully. I mean, yeah, I can't I don't want to. They're the men in the arena. And this is it's in this scenario. So I'm not going to you know, I hope we didn't come across overly like armchair quarterbacking, uh, yeah. being critical of every yeah, little please. thing. But, you know, uh, kudos to them. And, uh, you know. Yeah. It's a good conversation. Good Hope job. We get more stuff like this. Yeah, and drop it in the comments down below. How do you feel about uh, these different topics? How do you feel about being a man, showing your emotions, the aggression that men feel, BDE? <laughs> uh, and if that's something that you've heard about and discussed before, and guys, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a video for you guys, which is every day. Join the Discord, which will be in the link in the description down below, because we do talk about these topics outside of the show. And uh, let us know how you feel about them on Discord if you want to continue that conversation. And we also have the show on PragerU.com if you'd like to check it out and go on a website that's hopefully free from censorship and having our videos taken down and all these different things. That is PragerU.com. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.